0: It is episode 133 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers Podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Langer, joined by a full house this week. We've got Ryan Top, Paul Noonan, Brad Ford, and a special guest this week, Steve Garshinski, coming back for one night only. How are you guys doing? Are you guys all staying well right now?
1: Yeah, I've been stuck in the house for the past, I don't know, couple of weeks. So uh, doing doing homeschooling and working from from home, which has been quite the experience.
2: Yeah, same situation over here. Um, Cooped up for two weeks and actually got out for the first time in 14 days to Brave grocery shopping yesterday. Um, a, A word of advice on that, I went late on the thought that there wouldn't be that many people there in a thunderstorm, late in a thunderstorm. And that was correct. There were not that many people there. I thought I would avoid people. But the people that were there were very irresponsible, and it turned into me running away from people um, the whole time <laughs> I was shopping. So, like literally, like I, I had to make a rule for myself: if anybody came in the same aisle as me, I left the aisle immediately. So it took like two hours, but uh, oh wow, it was definitely like um, like college students and um, single old men who didn't <laughs> care about the disease at all, just walking around like any normal day. So, I recommend going during the middle of the day <laughs> next time. I'm trying that enough food that i won't have to go shopping again for like a month so um good on that front too
3: yeah i went on tuesday and i was at a store that had two levels and the only way to get upstairs downstairs was uh elevators and there were three elevators one was being worked on by an attendant and i get over to the elevators to go upstairs and he holds the elevator that already had a woman and her cart in the elevator waiting and there's plenty of room in there they're big elevators and we like make eye contact with each other. And I like look at the guy and I go, I'll take the next one. And the woman gave the most relieved, like nodding of the head you've ever seen in your life. Like, thank Good. you for not jumping in the elevator with me. Like wow. I, I couldn't believe what, what is this guy thinking? Like, I yeah, Ryan
0: shopping at whole foods.
3: It was not whole foods. <laughs> it was Metro
0: market in Shorewood. Yeah. Brad, how are you holding up? You've been in for a couple of weeks too.
4: Yeah. Um, I'm officially reaching uh, Muppets Pirates of the Caribbean. uh, Cabin fever. Yeah, cabin fever
2: levels.
4: (laughs) I was going pretty insane yesterday. Uh, Thankfully, I have a good group of friends who uh, have put forth quite the effort to divvy up some uh, online game playing. So uh, I don't know if you ever played uh, Werewolf or also known as Mafia, but we did a digital version of that yesterday, which was a nice little relief. So I've been lucky enough to have that, but also I think I've been in quarantine for the longest, and I'm (laughs) losing it. It
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll we'll try to bring some. Uh, normalcy and sanity to your life. I don't. I don't know Indian. how much of these conversations will will help. We'll probably get you mad a little bit later <laughs> about the MLB draft, but we'll we'll get into that in a second. For now, we are sponsored this week by Carbon Four Brewing. You know their classic beers like Dragon Flute, Block Party, and their flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. Go grab a six pack on your next run to the grocery store. Don't hop in an elevator with anybody while you do it. And you <laughs> can also go to their website to get a deal on Carbon Four merch online. Just use our promo code M. MKE tailgate at carbon4.com. That's carbon 4 Beer Brilliance. You can also still help support our podcast network at patreon.com slash Tailgate. Ball and glove and above patrons get the minor league extra podcast with Ryan and Brad. You will also get Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods throughout the Packers off season. And as always, patrons get question priority here on the program. We've got a couple of those to get to in a bit. You also get a personal shout out here on the pod when you do become a patron. And as always, you can help people find the podcast by rating and reviewing Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcast and Spotify. So please do go and do that if you enjoy the show. Now, we actually did have a little bit of baseball news in the past week for a change. Uh, there was that big deal between the league and the MLBPA on a possible shortened season. There was a lot of logistics to run through. It took them a couple of weeks to put this together. So just running through them quickly, the basic details y'all need to know about the 2020 season, they decided will not begin until three different criteria are met. So basically there has to be no bans on mass gatherings anymore. Uh, No more travel restrictions through the U.S. and Canada. That's an issue right now. Uh, And also medical experts will have to determine there are no health risks for players, staff or fans. To me, that seems like the big one and probably the one that would get in the way if it comes down to it, the commissioner and the union will be able to revisit the idea of playing games without fans. Uh, with that said, they still want to play as many games as possible. In, in including, I should say, possibly extending the regular season into October. So we could have baseball if it comes back late into the year. Uh, the big points, the players wanted to get to, they want to, to make sure everybody gets credit for a full year of service time if the season is canceled. So that would mean the possibility of, say, Mookie Betts becoming a free agent without ever playing a game for the Dodgers, which we've talked about here. And if or when the games do get underway, the rosters will be expanded to 29 right away whenever play begins. So a lot of things to kind of go over and talk about, I guess. Ryan, uh, what are your thoughts on the deal? How likely is it that we see games played this year, do you think?
3: at right now where we're at it, it feels like a kind of a long shot dream that there would be games but I, i'm going to still hold out hope that it's it's possible down the road that we'll see something i think that this was something that obviously the players number one priority like you said had to be getting that the year of service time for this and so that they could kind of continue on with with free agency as normal this off season or as normal as possible even if there isn't a season on the, the MLB side, they got a a pretty big concession, and I don't think you mentioned it, that they're so far they've they've agreed, what was it through April and May to pay out $170 million worth of salaries? But yep. that is so that is significantly down. I think their overall commitment for the season was like over four billion dollars. It was it was a large chunk of money, and they have to uh figure out exactly what they're going to do going forward with that. So MLB got that big concession so that they are going to... They don't have revenue coming in anything like they normally would. So it's kind of a balancing act to keep everything rolling during a time when things are so uncertain. Whether or not we see games this year, it's... Yeah, it's too early to say for me.
0: Yeah, Paul, what are your thoughts on all of this? Does it seem like the players gave a lot just to kind of get that free agency deal? I don't... I don't really think so. I mean, this is a, a pretty tough spot
2: for everybody. And uh, it, it's. I, I think getting what they got is actually not too shabby, given the amount of unknowns there are. G- just given the fact that there's not games, the owners could have really... <clears throat> I think they had the be- better position here with no games being played. Um, I don't think they were really obligated to do much of anything. And just given that there might be games later, um, and what we know right now, I, I think that that deal is mostly fine the all the rules around when games are going to return it's hard to imagine the entire country no longer having bans on mass gatherings anytime in the not too distant future i think that one's going to be a tricky one to get past but i wouldn't be surprised if there's mtv stadium baseball later it sounds like there's a contingency for that on the back end of that so uh, I, i guess that's kind of what i'm sort of half optimistically hoping for um that they start to go with that at some point But uh, I don't think we'll have full stadiums probably this season, unfortunately. So that's
0: kind of where I am with that. I think another thing to consider is there's TV contracts and stuff. So I'm I'm sure, you know, if they want to cash in on that still and get some of that revenue. They're going to have to consider the empty stadium games at some point.
1: Yeah, they didn't uh, give me a refund on my MLB TV subscription. So I, <laughs> I think the league's still making money in some places.
2: <laughs> You're still <laughs> paying 30 bucks a month or whatever. If yeah. you call, if you call they'll, they'll refund it, by the way, just so you know. PSA to everybody. If, if you did get auto-charged for MLB.TV uh, and you, get, you give them a call, they will refund the whole thing.
3: Yeah cuz weren't they originally doing refunds uh and then there was like an email that went out somebody posted it on Twitter that like it was some weird like uh circular logic yes, thing. Yeah, it was.
0: Okay. That did happen, but
2: they will they will in fact give you your money back. Okay. They make it they make it annoying, but they'll do it.
0: Yeah, but it's classic MLB, you have to actually go through the trouble of canceling to actually cancel, right? So yeah,
2: I've talked to them on the phone more than almost any other business
1: um, for, for various things. It's very strange what they do. Yeah. Hey Paul, is there yep. any precedent for negotiating like between the players in the league? Like is there anything you can think of that would be similar to this? Because it's such just like a novel event that's happening right now.
2: I on I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um uh, when was the last time has it ever happened that we've had, like, lost a season due to anything other than labor strife? I mean, they played through World War II. Um, right. <laughs> I actually guess I don't know what happened during the Spanish flu in 1918, or if there, but I doubt you know, pre-internet that there was good enough communication or realization to stop things like this. So I think this is unprecedented, and I, I, I can't think of anything analogous off the top of my head. Like nothing's ever really stopped baseball before other than baseball itself.
3: So um, there was a thing in uh, saber where they were talking kind of about this. It like the Spanish flu. There were games that were affected in certain cities in, during certain time periods, and in during other epidemics as well. Especially like in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties, there were other epidemics that affected games, but not across the league. It was more of a localized sort of thing. So that makes sense. Nothing, yeah, nothing, the- nothing like this.
2: Yeah, that's just large scale coordination of the kind that we can do now hasn't existed until the last 20 years. And so it's been very difficult to do things like mass quarantines countrywide until this very moment. Um, It's very strange just to to have this happen. And I I don't think anybody I wonder if they'll start writing in some bylaws for this in the future um, and have like contingencies for, you know, natural disaster and disease cancellations. I could definitely see that coming up and becoming a thing.
3: Well, and that was the thing is apparently MLB has in its standard contract some language that would have addressed this, but it basically allowed them to just like shut it down and not pay anybody anything. And so that for sounds the, about right for the players to get the one hundred seventy million. <laughs> I mean, that would have ended up in court like the players would have ended up fighting it out in court. So I think MLB was like, we'll do this as sort of we'll give a little bit on this. It's a it's kind of a fraction of what they would have paid right um, in a yeah. way to keep things going and to keep out of court i guess
0: <laughs> and nobody nobody wants the pr hit of fighting over millions and billions of dollars when there were just three million unemployment claims for the last week so i think everybody realized that it was just a bad look all around they just kind of need to take care of it yep when they can so i guess brad we haven't had your thoughts on this uh it, do you think they should try to get in as many games as they can this year is there an appetite for maybe playing baseball in November
4: I am not pro playing baseball in November I think the thing to do is just to play it as safe as possible at this point which they've been relatively okay at doing Um, we've seen how quickly this can spread in basketball um, between teams and rosters. Um, we've seen how quickly this can spread just in general across the world. So obviously there's a danger no matter how limited the interactions are. So to me, like I, it's relatively kudos to them on coming to an agreement. Hey, the MLBPA and MLB can agree on something, which is nice. Uh, that gives you a little bit of hope going into what might be another lost season in a couple of years. And... Yeah, it's the, I mean, MLB, this was a negotiation where, as already addressed, they had all the leverage so that they avoided a PR nightmare by coming to an agreement like this. And then for the players to get the big win of getting service time, it's, it seems like a win-win in terms of publicity and then the trade-off that you're giving players a pro-rated contract to, they definitely still have forms of income coming, right? Like. I doubt they've re- returned every cent de- from every ad that was purchased preseason, and
3: they still sure have my season t- ticket money. So yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. There you go.
4: <laughs> so I mean, it's not like there's not ways that this was working out for MLB. Just now, they're paying people more in line with the cost that they or with the income that they were losing.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think like you said, it's maybe a win-win, at least as far as the league and the major league players go. Uh, But another part of the deal that kind of once again gives maybe minor leaguers and amateurs the the short end of the stick uh, was the part of the deal that dealt with the draft. So uh, more details to go through there. But basically, in summary, uh, the league can decide to shorten this year's upcoming draft to as few as five rounds and the draft will be moved to July instead of June. Uh, On top of that, players drafted this year are only going to get about $100,000 of their bonuses paid out this year. The rest will be split into payments the next two years. The international signing period is probably going to be delayed, and the 2021 draft could be shortened down to 20 rounds as well. So, you think about that, and that means there's going to be a lot more undrafted free agents who could possibly just sign without being drafted. But if they do that, they're only going to be held to $20,000 bonuses. So a lot of uh, college and high school players probably losing out on the earnings they otherwise would have had, even if they were drafted beyond round five or so. Uh, so Brad, I want to go back to you right away as the, the minor league guru here. How, how do you think this will affect minor league systems, specifically the Brewers?
4: Well, isn't this fun? Isn't this like MLBPA, who doesn't represent these players until they step foot on a major league field, just is taking these uh, liberties to help oh negotiate the draft? How, how cool. How nice of them. I mean, obviously, we're losing like a year of development. We're losing a year of even analysis. Uh, we a no draft board set in April never match what they end up being in June. And that analysis is not there uh, that you would have otherwise as players, you know, make large progress in their skills as they develop between the season. But to take away money from players who you mostly have a good foundation on what they're capable of doing and take away opportunity from them to for really no good reason besides for we just don't want to spend the money. Um, Yes, the analysis is shortened, but you still have tape. You still have progression. And honestly, based on the success of MLB draft, is any more of a crapshoot than it's been
2: otherwise? No. Can I just point out also the, the complete unfairness, weirdness of there being a cap on undrafted
0: free agent? Um, Yeah, spend so much for a free market, right? Yeah, it's
2: it's not even really free agency. I I think we have to come up with a new name for that. That is that they're not undrafted free agents. They're like undrafted draftees or something. That that is completely ridiculous. And that would like that. If that was normal, if it was, you know, you, you, okay, you weren't drafted, you can sign for whatever you want. That would serve as as a de facto like fix to the draft itself. Like they would have incentives to make it longer and keep things going to keep those salaries down. The fact that that exists is really the hammer they have here. Um, and every baseball player should be incensed at that. It is basically taking free agents away from people who uh, are outside the draft. Like they, <laughs> MLB determined they weren't worth drafting, so pay them what they're worth then. If it happens to be a lot, well, then your draft isn't long enough.
1: It's like the invisible hand likes to strangle uh, amateurs. <laughs> yeah, it
0: does. I mean, it's, just, it's good at that. right? Yeah, I mean, Ryan, Steve, this is pretty typical of the league too, right? To kind of use the amateurs as a bargaining chip because they don't really give two dams about them. And, well, it's not just you you know, the league
3: either. You're talking about the MLBPA it's the players who the doesn't are the, players. The, the MLBPA doesn't represent these people. They get to speak for them and make decisions for them. But we've seen over and over and over again that the MLBPA is perfectly happy to use them as a bargaining chip to get more for the members of its union, which to be fair to them is their obligation. Like that is their legal obligation sure. is to
0: that's who they per- represent yeah right to protect yeah. the
3: interests of people on the 40-man roster those are the people that the mlb players union represents anybody who's on the 40-man roster and so that they will throw away uh value that could have been accrued to these people who are not yet in the union is yeah it's it's a screwed up byproduct of a of a screwy system where people who aren't rep who aren't in the the union are being represented by the interests of the union and that's why it's, there's been all this talk of needing a minor league union that could potentially include people like this but that's that, another that's issue. the
2: weird part about it is like yeah you're right about their legal obligations but most unions support other unions and most unions don't try to actively screw over people who could be in a union but aren't in a union they try yeah. and get them to organize
0: um. it and, uh, and uh, yeah and everybody in that said union has been in that position before too exactly so you would think there would be some recognition of that struggle or whatever but yeah it's
4: uh, yeah it, it, it well, comes off to me as one of those situations where you know when something better can be achieved for a group of younger people uh and then the older people who never had that benefit say well i didn't have that so why do they get that
3: i was gonna uh, say isn't that called survivor bias like
4: yeah,
3: or hazing
1: oh, baby <laughs>
4: <laughs> Yes. Uh, um, but then on top of it for them to be negotiating for 2021 draft.
2: That does seem weird. That like weird. that's
0: Yeah, there's no Isn't it
4: presumptuous. Like it it, presumptuous. If, if you're not canceling the season outright, if you're not canceling the season just outright in that agreement, why are you negotiating things for next year?
2: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That's just trying to um, pile on a little bit and use this I was n- this opening to negotiate more in your favor than
0: is necessary. Right. I was going to say, let's hop into Brad's conspiracy corner for a <laughs> second. <laughs> because huh? the, le- the league has wanted to shorten the draft for a while, right? And they've wanted to kind of limit the amount that they're spending on this. So does this seem like something where they just decided to tack this on to kind of get what they wanted? And, you know, maybe... Beyond 2021 in the next CBA, they just go, "Oh well, that 20 round draft worked out fine. Let's just keep doing that." You it know, sure like, seems
4: like that experiment, doesn't it? Like I feel like you're hitting the nail on the head. Is it's an experiment for something that they've thrown around
2: anyway? Can uh, I can I add to the conspiracy? Yeah, oh, it's, if the draft isn't you know the typical like like very very high round MLB draft, if they get it down to like 12 or under or so, they can have an NFL style TV show. And if it's, <laughs> you know, 20 plus rounds, they really can't because it goes on too long. But like right. literally they can do that. Like you can turn five round draft is easy. Like you got primetime, you know, gala ball draft potential there if you do that. And you can totally copy them, have one more big revenue earner. Um, whereas right now it's very difficult to do that with the current Major League Baseball draft. It, it right. is very, very long. Well, <laughs> they do
4: advertise. I mean, they broadcast all of it. They do. Uh, the, but it... The days t- The last day is just weird because like a robot voice calls in and just says (laughs) player 473BC drafted by the Blue Jays. So then they have to look at their coordination of spreadsheet to figure out which odd catcher from uh, a Juco college in Maine they drafted and hope to God (laughs) maybe they have some information on that guy. Right. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. It's just completely screwed up to to cap off the. Cap off the money that anyone drafted outside of the top 10 rounds can make to 20,000 is screwed up. I mean, it was 125,000 is the max bonus you can get for being drafted outside of round 10. And now, if you sign as a free agent, as we talked about, what type of free market is that? What type of really precedent is that setting for players coming in? If you're a high school player like Chad McClanahan. He, didn't, he hasn't done anything great, but he was an example of a player who was drafted, I believe, in the 12th
3: round? 11th, um, but yeah.
4: 11th. And he was supposed to be someone who was a, you know, potentially a round four or five guy. His bonus slot goes by. Everyone's like, okay, uh, he's not signing. He's going to go to college. The Brewers end up having that slot flow out of the first 10 rounds, draft him, and sign him. It's a big deal. There's no way that a high school player is going to take action like that in this in fact i think with the uncertainty of what your draft will shape up to be i could see a lot more just saying like screw it i'm just going to college uh, and hopefully yeah. i'll be a first round pick in three years
0: well and because then, like, there's these no college incentive. rosters are these college rosters are already going to be stacked too you know so like how does that affect that like there's going to be suddenly a lot more juco and d2 guys probably i'm assuming a lot
4: of uh, the players who are like expect to be third or fourth round go juco right like that way you can be drafted the next year again
3: yeah, there's and- going to be a cascading effect all the way down throughout the the system on this. I was just listening. If you want a really good in-depth discussion of this, Baseball America's podcast had one and they really go into how this is going to affect like JUCOs and it's going to affect juniors and sophomores because leverage wise, they're going to have less playing time is going to be limited uh, MLB. By the time you listen to this, you may already know, but so far Division one has not decided whether or not they are going to give another year to seniors. And that decision is expected on Monday. So okay. like when that happens, and I'm assuming there's a pretty good likelihood that they're going to extend it by a year. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of guys who will come back. There'll also be a good number of guys who baseball was something they did in college, but it wasn't going to be their career and they were ready to move on anyway. So you'll see guys who are more draft prospect, come back, for another year to take a a shot at a larger draft. But that's going to, like you said, have a cascading effect down the ranks because that's going to leave less room for potentially some other players to play. So it's, it's going to be just a big mess for a while.
4: And baseball has over a year to come up with a reason, any reason to make the 2021 draft 20 rounds. So then you're also talking about a smaller player pool. So waiting might not even have a benefit.
0: Yeah, so speaking of those cascading effects, uh, one of our Patreon questions this week is from Jay Google. Uh, he's asking, with the reports of the draft shrinking the next two years, are we watching minor league teams being eliminated as part of that? Uh, Brad, I know you've kind of been following this for a long time. What are your thoughts on that being a possibility?
4: Yeah, it's amazing how this is almost played into all their goal to Reduce that structure. Obviously, coming in, one of their big goals was to cut the expenses they were, they were paying majorly by eliminating pretty much an entire tier of rookie league baseball. And now they have the perfect reason to do it. They much better than we just didn't want to pay them. Now it's oh we don't have the the prospects anymore. We don't have the ability. So many people because of the situation went to high school and uh, stayed in college because now we don't have this negotiable year. It does seem like it conveniently played into their hand. Did MLB start coronavirus?
3: (laughs) Now we're we're really in the conspiracy
0: corner Speaking of the conspiracy (laughs) corner.
4: (laughs) They did it strictly to get rid of minor league baseball in the form that it currently exists. Uh, I think it's conveniently playing into their hand there. Obviously, the senators who were fighting that and the uh, lawmakers who were fighting that so hard are a, a teensy bit distracted. Right now, while they're doing all this back end action, so they can't quite fight back in the way that they were. And staffs are limited too for the minor league. Uh, I know a lot of layoffs were made for minor league front offices, so they don't even have the resources to fight like they were before. Right. So if they start taking that action in the coming weeks to say, like, hey, well, we're we're just going to have fewer prospects coming in. We can't field these teams. We're only going to have 25 rounds of drafted players over the next two years.
3: Sure. Seems convenient. Yeah. I mean, this year they're obligated to field those teams. They still have their deal with minor league baseball. So if there's a minor league season, they are obligated to field those teams. But after this year, that deal with with minor league baseball ends. And that's when the restructuring was likely to come anyway. So yeah, expect to see just massive, massive changes. Uh, I, I think we are going to see the elimination, basically, of short season ball. And what will happen is guys that would have gone there will be divided into more complex league teams and there will be like high complex, low complex. The Brewers already run two complex league teams. They had blue and gold. So the
4: Arizona league. Yeah. Which is uh, more commonly known as the Arizona league, which are, you already had those guys developing in an extended spring training flash forever development at the spring complex. Uh, And
3: they really wanted to have them be more centralized. Anyway, they wanted them in Arizona where they were near, you know, larger coaching staff. They could have access to the, you know, the pitching and the hitting labs and all that. They wanted those guys to be there. So I think that, you're still going to see like a number of players. We, we don't know what the overall effect is. Remember, there had been that talk of capping the number of minor league players an organization was going to be allowed to have under contract. And we haven't heard anything more on that. That'll have to come down the road.
4: And honestly, in terms of quality of life, the The Arizona league offers a little bit more quality of an introduction for players than like the pioneer league. I don't want to see baseball reduced. This is not an anti pioneer league, but the pioneer league, you know, you're talking about uh, like sometimes 10 hour bus rides to a competing team on a bus that is severely outdated uh not worked well because no money has been funneled into that organization so they don't really have the capital to work on giving travel amenities to their players uh you're looking at some of the most dilapidated stadiums in minor league baseball you're looking at just miserable resources that even players in independent ball, where I think people just assume the system is worse, but independent ball is actually getting a good amount of income coming in and playing players, maybe even better than minor league baseball is. Uh, So in terms of like an entry, your second, your first full year base or you have been in baseball for a year, letting go spend three months traveling around in this place where you know, you're playing in locker rooms that are partially flooded, uh, which has legitimately happened, uh, you know, after areas of stuff storms and weird circumstances.
3: Well, uh, hell, I like mean, it, it happened in Oakland too. So, and that was a yeah, sewage backup. Yeah. So. Right.
4: <laughs> well, the Coliseum is the worst travesty yeah. ever put on God's Green Earth. Um, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where it might be a better introduction in terms of what they experience however like that's more testament to maybe minor league baseball should get some support from the uh, major leagues to actually give them quality amenities (laughs) then the easy solution is we can make it better just by keeping them close by to our facilities that we constantly maintain because our major league players use this but the real solution should just be that major league baseball teams actually pay to give them good adequate amenities
0: Yeah. I guess, Paul, from a negotiation standpoint, is it just a coincidence that uh, these draft changes could end up killing these low-level minor league teams? Or do you think that's kind of what they had in mind when they were drawing this up? It's definitely what they had in mind.
2: All attorneys who do this kind of work, all negotiators, think along these lines. And when circumstances change, they immediately take a look at what the future is likely to look like, what our long-term goals are, and start building plans around The best way to make those goals happen or to just accommodate the system to fit those that I'm sure that they did smell opportunity um, with the season possibly going away with just baseball and everything in the country kind of shrinking a bit. Um, And uh, anything that they're doing right now is with an eye towards what they want baseball to look like in the future and not what it looks like now. So, yeah, um, it it might sound like a conspiracy, but that is what um, people get paid to do. And that is especially what attorneys uh, get paid to do when they're looking long term and thinking about, you know, what they need to account for going forward. So, yeah, absolutely true. Um, And don't ever think differently. (laughs) Um, Baseball has their agenda. They've publicly stated this is their end goal and everything that they do is going to be, if not centered,
0: but, um, you know, consistent with that goal. Yeah, this is why people think lawyers are evil, Paul. <laughs> no they're offense. not. They're not wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it,
2: it, it takes a certain kind of mindset to do that. One of the, if you talk like, uh, first of all, I, I will say I'm not absolutely not above any of this. I am a lawyer. I'm a bit of a weird lawyer, and to talk about my career too much here, I have a weird specialty that I think makes me a little different than most. But a lot of lawyers are a little bit like actors in that. They can really get into the character of whatever it is they're arguing. If you talk to a lawyer on any given case, no matter how weird, despicable, or illogical it is, they'll be able to they'll be able to passionately talk about it as if it's it, yeah. completely normal um, every single time. So that is one of the skills that you that most good lawyers have. Now, I don't. I don't always think that's necessarily a good thing, but that uh, it it's good from the from the perspective of you know you want a rigorous defense on both sides, but it's kind of creepy sometimes, too, to be perfectly
0: honest. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, to some happier talk. Uh, part of the reason we wanted Steve to come on today, too, is you know, opening day was supposed to be Thursday, so we wanted to get the gang together. We wanted to talk about some some happier memories, uh, some of our favorite opening day memories. Uh, so I'll I'll just start. Wait, this wait, off. wait, 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 wait. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. not where Ryan. Well, <laughs> oh no! Okay. Well, I don't know what was promised to you, but it's, that's what we're going to talk about It's It's opening day, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah, not happy okay. memories, but you know, just, you know, craziest things that you've seen Ryan do in person, and <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, we're talking about the opening day of the Fish Tour. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so uh, we'll start this off. I have a confession to make. I've actually never gone to an opening day. Part of that is just geography. I've I've lived so far from Milwaukee. I just haven't been able to make it down. Um, actually thought about maybe going this year until it became pretty clear that wasn't going to happen. Uh, so I, I don't have an opening day memory. But I guess uh, let's just go around the table. Steve, I guess, what's the first opening day that you've attended? Craziest thing you saw? Best opening day story you've got? You
1: know, I don't even remember the first one. It, it's been within the last, I don't know, 15 years. I didn't go to opening days earlier. Um, obviously, when I was younger, I wasn't, you know, like pulled out of school by my dad or anything to go to opening day. But uh, well, what I was, what Ryan brought me on to talk about, and, and I kind of hinted at, was it was, oh, God, it, it might be about 10 years ago now. I already. think it was,
3: I wanted to say it was like 2010-ish. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and part of that is we, we my wife and I went with um, a couple friends. Ryan was sitting down in, I don't know, some other area of the 400 level. So he didn't actually get to see any of this. So, And they were dating at the time. They got married, I think, a couple of years later. Uh, so anyways, it was the four of us were going to the game. And we were sitting in what were our season ticket seats. Uh, that we had every season up in section 422 so right behind home plate up in the 400 level you know and it was uh, the the usual craziness you know we were watching people get taken down have you ever seen the stretcher they use in the upper level
0: yeah there's a, a stretcher what? oh yeah, there's, yeah a stretcher. there's a stretcher that
1: <laughs> that's, they that's, use like stretcher yeah it's, this is it's why
0: i don't go to opening day yeah, it's not, anyway.
1: it's not like, a flat stretcher it's yeah. like a chair okay that they basically used to get people down. So we actually got to see that used, and you know their little golf cart ambulance going around and stuff like that. So it was a typical opening day. I saw that used once on a guy who drank a bag of wine.
0: <laughs> oh, <A> bag.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: he took a Franzia bag out of the box and snuck it in, and he drank the whole bag, and he had to be stretchered out.
0: Isn't it was that like four bottles. I don't. Know yeah, it was, it was. It was lambskin, probably. It's
1: a lot of wine.
0: It's a like... Lanolin.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So anyways, we're watching all this go go on, and uh, it, it was early. It was like right in the first inning. Some dude uh, comes walking into a seat in the uh, uh, aisle right behind us, and you could tell he was fading hard already. Like, the game had just started. We had seen the first pitch, and, you know, I'm kind of keeping my eye on him, and he sits right behind us. You know, we're watching the game, and you kind of hear hear some sounds from behind, and I'm just trying to ignore it. And then all of a sudden, there was just... A splat on my back. <laughs> oh, uh, oh. And he had been drinking, I don't know, Jack and Coke, I think the whole time, because it was just sugar and brown. And, luckily, uh. <laughs> it, it, and my friend Jack, <laughs> we were the two that got sprayed on. And luckily, my wife and, and his girlfriend, now wife at the time, were a couple seats down. They didn't get hit. So it was just, you know, I, I think a lot of people think like when something like that happens, I'm going to get up and like punch the guy. But it was just such an, uh, like, I think we sat there in disbelief for like, right? They're like,
0: <laughs> did this actually happen? Is wow. this real yeah. life?
1: Did did somebody just lean forward and basically throw up on my back directly? So <laughs> we did. We went and got you know security and everything, and they treated him very well, considering what the situation was. Because <laughs> I think they, they we would have been justified to just throw him over the railing there. I think <laughs> where they like patiently wow. walked him down and took him to whatever bowels of of Miller park there. So the interesting thing was like they were the staff at Miller park was pretty good.
3: They had an action you plan, know? right? Like they went into a whole series of things.
1: Yeah. I think, I think they've been through it before. They're pros. Yeah. yeah. yeah they knew what was going on. They actually Wait, it's took,
4: popular at Miller park.
1: Yeah. You on opening sure day, that, apparently. Oh, so wow. they actually took my coat down to the team facilities where they have their like big commercial washers and like washed it during the game and everything. Cause wow. luckily I still have my coat on. So I didn't – like I could just wear normal clothes without having to to, to change everything. That's a so, little
4: yeah. better. I imagine yeah, it being like is. on the back of Jersey.
0: Yeah, yeah right. No, 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 exactly. no.
1: I, I basically had a layer on to protect me from it. So it, it they actually, during the game, took my coat down, had it washed, gave me a place to like take a ticket to pick it up afterwards. Oh, didn't wow. matter. The stain was in there. So uh, that was – so, yeah, that was unfortunately one of the more memorable opening days I had. I mean the best one. It's crazy. You want to think like, oh, it was X number of years ago, but last year I I should say it seems like they've lost a lot of opening days. That's it's how re- it feels. of late especially. Yeah. Recency bias, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, how it feels yeah. in my mind as they it lost a lot of them.
4: Like but every day what, losing the the Rockies like
1: yes. just over
2: and over and over again.
1: Uh, yeah, and it's oh, yeah, they played the Rockies how many times? It, it seems like,
2: like I can't remember so I've been to 14 opening days by my I did a count uh, before this um, I never really started going until uh, 2000 so um, one county stadium and then a bunch of Miller parks I cannot remember. I, I'll admit, I don't remember a lot of parts of opening days, but I cannot remember a game that's not against the Rockies. Like I, all, all of my memories <laughs> are Rockies memories. I, I, that's all I got. Like, I, I literally can't remember any other kind. I, 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 like I, I think there's been in-
3: an inordinate number of games against the Giants as well. I feel like that's been like three times they've homo. Yeah, they've had the some Lions.
1: Giants. Yeah. But I think that's why last season's opening day stands out so much with that cane catch yep. uh, on the wall. Um, division rival, yeah. Yeah, you Just had a division over, yeah. rival game. It, you know, it it felt like it was kind of going back and forth. And then, yeah, Kane makes that catch to, to clinch the game. I don't know how many opening days can be better than that one. It, it was really, I think, looking back, even though, yes, it is a recent game, so there's recency bias there kind of in remembering it. I think that one is going to stand out for quite a
3: while. Yeah, I had been to every opening day from 2008 six I believe it may have been 2005 but I'd been to everyone until last year and I missed last year I wasn't able to get off of work so it was the first time that I missed it and I missed a hell of a game and my wife went and took a friend instead and uh, yeah I I did get to see the end of the game but it was the first one I'd missed in a long time so uh, my first one was 1998 I was a senior in high school friend and me for some reason we went to school I don't know why because I'm assuming it was Well, I've got the game up here. It was against, it was the first National League home game at uh, County Stadium. And yeah, it was a 105 start. For some reason, we went to school in the morning, which I don't understand because Uh. like we went for a couple hours, but we left after like the second hour. My mom called me in because I think we still had to, even though I was 18. And uh, me and my friend Nate go out to the parking lot. And there were, for some reason, a bunch of other people who were doing the exact same thing we were, where they went to school in the morning. And then at like, I don't know, nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, got in the car and drove the 75 miles down to uh, down to Milwaukee for the game. So that
4: is the most like goody two shoes crap. Like, well, we went and saw the uh, normal amount of school that we could allot in for the day. Got our homework from our <laughs> teacher. And then, uh, mom signed us out following the regulation and uh, we went down to the game.
1: That's that's just so Middleton. <laughs> like, but Every, the teachers need.
4: agreed that they wouldn't give extra tests that day so to not punish any of us who were doing things the right way
3: uh, i did try to underage buy a beer in the stands at that game because i have a very clear memory of being laughed at by the guy when I, <laughs> when I asked, and he was like, I didn't even try to, like, I didn't have a fake or anything. So I tried to do that. And uh, yeah, I got laughed at. So that was, that was amusing. Well, in
0: Wisconsin, it's legal if you have a parent present, right? So that's yeah, correct. Not it perfect. Perfect. I was not just, perfect, but, uh, yeah, it was. It totally was. <laughs> I,
3: I was oh. just with a friend. So we were, uh, I, my parents weren't like, uh, we, you should have brought your
0: mom with. And I I yeah. Nancy
3: would be hanging out at the uh, the Brewers game when I was a senior in high school. Yeah.
0: Um, Just watching the boys.
4: Oh, I got to take care of them.
3: So, but my best story, and Steve was here for this, was so oftentimes we would get extra opening day tickets. In fact, we, I had extras this year, not in our normal section 422 seats that we have seasons to and have had since 2006. We were sitting out in I don't know, it was like 430 something out way out in left field uh, up there and we went to the bathroom and we walked by those little auxiliary beer stands that they set up way out in those areas and there was nobody at this one for some reason like it was set up and the way they had it was the beer stand was in front but they had the sides of it blocked off by just cases of Miller Lite those 24 pack cases of Miller Lite and I looked at Steve or our other friend Jay that we were with. And I made a crack about the fact that we could just grab one of these and walk off with it. Like nobody would, there's nobody watching them. There's, you know, whatever you could just take off with it. And so sure enough, about 10 minutes after we get back to our seats, we see some idiot with a 24 pack of Miller lights under his arm, walking to his seat because he had just decided (laughs) to pick it up and take it back. (laughs) And sure enough, about 10 minutes later, uh, you see the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department show up and the guy goes out in, in cuffs, but they left the beer there. So the beer is still sitting there and nobody's touching it. Uh, and I think they, I don't know if the guy's friends also were taken with him or whatever, but it wasn't anybody who was associated with it. And finally, like, I don't know, an inning or so later, uh, the guy sitting nearest to it just starts handing out the bottles of beer and <laughs> Steve got one
1: <laughs> Well, you have to think in Miller Park a 24 pack that's got to be like grand larceny right? right
3: right yeah there's there's some serious there's some serious heft to that like that's a
1: $400 that,
4: case of beer
1: yeah that's not like uh picking up a case uh when you're just that's having the drive yeah
0: <laughs>
1: I like how I ended my up mom. with the beer at the end of the story.
0: No, I, you did because sure about I about well, so I was I was too Ryan afraid two shoes. Who yep. didn't, yeah, he was too afraid. His mom sent him out of school. Yeah, he called day. his mom.
4: He called his mom <laughs> and said, "Mom, there is free beer on the ground, but they arrested a guy. Can I have it?" And she said, "Ryan, don't you dare touch that beer."
3: <laughs> that is exactly what my mom would say. That is a hundred percent what my mom would say. She would be like, "We raised you to be honest, Ryan. You will, you will not take that beer." <laughs> <laughs> it was hundred percent what you would say. <laughs> oh man! Oh
4: uh, so mine, my first and best opening day came on one April second, two thousand seven, when the legend himself, Ben Sheets, went toe to toe with the Los Angeles Dodgers to start off the season of hope. Uh, you know, the Brewers are two seasons removed from their first "quote unquote" winning season of going 81 and 81. Uh, <laughs> here they are. Bill Hall just had a fantastic season, so good that they moved him from shortstop to center field and everything went perfect as far as I remember yeah. it.
0: Nothing could have possibly gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
4: you know, Corey Hart is a full-time player for I think the first season you have uh Ryan Braun waiting in the ring wings, but instead Craig Council starting at third base in a timeshare with Tony Grappanino. And the best catcher of the for the Brewers in the last twenty years, Johnny Estrada. Johnny Estrada, yes. Behind the plate for Ben Sheets.
2: Switch hitter. Nice.
4: And he he actually went two for three in that game.
1: <laughs> Good old Johnny. Yeah, uh, I remember Brewers message boards at the time when they acquired Estrada. That legitimately oh, yeah. thought that he could be like the Brewers leadoff hitter.
0: <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> Brewerfan.net net was a crazy time. Yeah, at point. it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Did crazy. he
4: even have a double that didn't bounce over the fence? Like I, I feel like know, he couldn't I, run there. But they just, yeah,
1: they saw a guy who had like a good batting average at the time. That was but, it. So oh, sheets. Yeah, because that was
3: coming nine. off of the Brady Clark era.
1: Yep. Coming off the Brady Clark era. Love
4: you, Brady. Have an autograph ball from him because uh when I bought my first jersey, <laughs> which was a Ricky Weeks jersey, you got an autograph ball with the if you bought a pack of cards. And my autograph ball was from Brady Clark. <laughs> so <laughs> cool. Yeah, Sheets just throws one hell of a game. Uh, only gives up two hits, one of the hits being a home run to Jeff Kent. Walks no one, and I think the thing I didn't remember about this game that shocks me when I look back at it is I just remember Sheets like striking out twenty-seven players and like only allowing like two hits, but it was only three guys.
3: Yeah, really? nine inning huh. complete game, only three strikeouts. Wow, weird. Yeah, it is really strange. But how many pitches do you suppose it took him to get through nine innings?
2: <laughs> oh boy. 127. I'll go I'll go over that. I'll go 135. 104. Oh. 104. That's, wow. That's good. So he
1: almost, almost, he almost, a Maddox. He almost Maddox. Almost did. Maddox. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean I mean he only gave up two hits. He didn't walk anyone. He only struck out three. I was going to say without a high uh, strikeout
1: total. Yeah, yeah. he could not had that high of a pitch count.
4: Yeah, and meanwhile they dominated Derek Lowe, who actually was a good pitcher at the time.
1: Yeah, he was. Was that his first yeah. season in Los Angeles after pitching yeah. for
4: I believe so. Uh, they awesome. signed two pitchers that season. One was Derek Lowe, and then one never reached the field because he kept getting injured.
3: Oh, that was actually um, Lowe's I... third season with the Dodgers. He was oh, right, he was one of the guys who oh, left yeah, he after the 2004, 2004. With the,
1: uh, Red Sox. Yep, yeah, he yeah. left
3: after 2004. Him, Pedro, I think was extended, right? And then like Trot Nixon, like some of those guys left.
1: And Bill Hall had a
4: home run uh, that yeah. game too. Good See? for Billy. Bill,
0: <sighs> clap, clap, clap. Paul, oh. eight letters, four L's. Yeah. Paul, I know you had you had a story that you couldn't tell on the pod, so, but what's your pod weather story? Uh, I
2: I have a couple of minor, more of a combination of stories. The first of which is um, for uh, the 2002 opening day. Um, we I always like to take an unorthodox way into Miller Park, so um, we usually go through Miller Valley um, down 41st Street into the sort of mm. back north entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people used to not do that. It's more popular now, but we actually got in a line of employees at about eight thirty, and we just got waved through. So, um, we, <laughs> we, 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 we didn't have to pay for parking and we ended up just parking by a bunch of employees who got out of their cars and went into the stadium, a couple wearing aprons. And we just like set up tailgate by all these employee cars, which was super awesome for like an hour. But then we realized we were not by any other people. Like, um, there's sure. literally no people around us other than employee cars. And it was weird. Um, So we decided not to do that again. But I think my favorite one and most creative was – I got two, actually. First one, though, um, we were parked by these people, you know, like a big tailgate, a couple of pickup trucks with uh, a bunch of girls, and they start setting up a tent. But it's not like a tent like you can put tables under. It's a very tall, narrow tent. Um, And after like a half hour, we noticed that somebody runs a tube out of that tent. So um, I go and peek inside – they got a, a five-gallon bucket that they have put a spigot in the bottom of, <laughs> attached a tube to, and run it down into the Miller Park sewers um, through, through a grate. Um, I go outside um, after I, like, I peek my head in there. I, I, I put my head out, and there's a guy with a sign that says no deuces on it that he's setting up next to it. So, very creative. That was also the year right before... Um, the Miller Park Water started testing bad outside there. <laughs> <laughs> and not that these people were solely to blame i 'm sure that this was a you know somewhat widespread practice and just people going in the parking lot, but they added a bunch of bathrooms the next year, which was good. Um, but my favorite one, I think, is um, one of the good friday opening days uh, i 'm not Catholic, so we brought um, burgers and whatnot. and we were next to people. They were Catholic and were, they were outwardly whining about it. We were like a little bit good naturedly making fun of them for not being able to eat meat while we called up burgers. And um, one of them grabs the cooler, puts it on the ground. And we we're like laughing at him a little bit and reaches in and he pulls out a bunch of lobster. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Well played. You, you win. Good job.
1: Aren't you um, supposed to eat like a dry hot dog bun and expired Miller Lite?
2: That is uh, that is what I've
4: traditional. Heard. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> you celebrate opening day with a uh, you know a, a yeah. brat bun that I'm sure you found in your freezer that you forgot was there, and then a Miller Lite that clearly hasn't been touched. Yes. Speaking yeah, of which, I mean, that's the way
1: a good public official does it.
3: Speaking of which, uh, we actually ran into him on opening day once. Steve, uh, our friend, who will remain nameless, ran famous, into whom. For this this story, uh yeah I know for, we didn't say it but, but the who? former governor of the state of Wisconsin Scott Walker, we walked oh, yeah? by him outside the thing, and my friend was uh and is uh, a a public employee who was affected deeply by the Act ten and he yelled this was I think during the uh during the recall because he yelled out, "Go Tom Barrett at <laughs> at Scott Walker and then ran. <laughs>
0: we're standing there like he
3: he ran because well that's Jay that's yeah that's Jay but he he, uh he took off running at that point and uh i think it was maybe the next year that i was down in the bathrooms on the first base side on the first level and i'm using the urinal and all of a sudden i sense this very large man standing next to me at the urinal next to me and i took a little peek upward at this guy and it was tom barrett so that was another opening day like not that year but like a year later so i peed next to tom barrett uh and he had like his security <laughs> entourage behind him like watching over everybody so that was kind That's of a weird. Lot of pressure that was kind of weird too but <laughs> i went yeah. to
4: disney world also with the
1: stream stopped for ryan
4: <laughs> <laughs> i went to disney world with uh scott walker and rojo aka ron johnson uh not like i didn't travel with them they just <laughs> happened to be there at the same time that i was celebrating the 2016 election that's where they went after the results came in
3: uh. they went to um, disney world
4: yeah my sister who was like 17 at the time and honestly like does not have a pulse on anything that's outside of her world it came up and she was like uh the governor's here. And it's like, you don't know who the governor of Florida is. And she's like, no, our governor. And I was like, you don't know who our governor is. And he, she's like, yeah, the balding guy. And I was like, oh crap, he might know who our governor is. <laughs> so I look it up and sure as shit, there's a picture of Scott Walker with his family in uh, Disney world in Epcot or MGM studios, which is funny. Cause that was a, a day I got to live out one of my biggest dreams of being in the Indiana Jones style. Spectacular, which if you're just a <laughs> guy who stands up and screams, Yes, they will just pick you. And then uh, I got up, and they, when they were like, Where are you from? I said, Wisconsin, and a huge crowd cheered. And I was Ooh, like, Did was Rojo bad. and Scott Walker like celebrate my presence? Because if I knew they were there, I had some things that I could have said <laughs> on that mic. <laughs> <laughs> does,
2: does anybody remember opening day weather being anything other than 40 degrees overcast and rainy? Yes,
1: really. All right. Good for you. There was was one time I remember where it wasn't awful walking in. There was one, like one opening day maybe. But yeah, most of the time, it's at least a little drizzle or misty or it's damp for sure. And yeah, like 40 degrees. And we always end up walking for miles. I don't know why. And part of this is I'm probably just following whatever Ryan's doing. (laughs) Which is always the worst uh, thing to do because you will just, trapes all over the place with no plan whatsoever. So I just
4: remembered that on my way into the 2007 opening day, there were people in a party bus to my left and a guy's leaning out of, you know, it's just a painted short bus and he's leaning out the window trying to hand me a red cuff <laughs> full of beer on I-94. <laughs> just,
3: on 94 oh itself? Wow. Wow!
4: Yes. On I-90. I mean, cause traffic's not moving. It's opening day. And I, I hadn't gone to Miller park enough yet to know all the good ways into Miller park. Um, that
3: there
1: would be beer there anyways. You didn't need to like lean out of the window on the interstate.
4: Well, I didn't accept it. I was like 19. And I was like, no, sir, I'm a good boy. Uh, but it does like call back to like the opening day barger system because everyone's forgotten everything. So they come over. And they're like, do you have charcoal? We'll give you these shots. And you're like, sure. <laughs> and then I'm, like, do you have a lighter? We'll give you like uh, we have a bag of chips. And like you just like keep trading off and getting all this free stuff, just taking advantage out of everything everyone else forgot.
3: Yeah, we've more traditionally been uh, we'll go to Steve's on Blue Mound or someplace you know a, a bar yeah. and then shuttle in that's been more of our thing or sometimes we will even like with steve was saying we would just walk from those places because it frankly was quicker than sitting and waiting for a very slow shuttle line to move Indeed. It, on opening day yeah. there's so much of that going on so
4: yeah i did that for the playoffs um in 2011 uh it was so much quicker shuttles the way to go
3: yeah one or, last walking.
4: one last quick fact about that game uh, from 2007, only two hours and 11 minutes.
0: Boom.
3: Oh, that's yeah. Steve. Yeah, that's Steve's favorite right there.
1: <laughs> the man. less time he gets he to spend that. with
3: uh, baseball, the better for him.
1: Rock
0: and fire. <laughs> Just get the ball and throw it already. <laughs> nice. Well, I think, you know, I haven't been to an opening day, but what I've learned from this is uh, number one, no deuces in the bucket tent. <laughs> yep. Definitely and not. And number two, wear an extra puke layer just in case. So
4: and, and brings something for the hippie commune to trade in the parking lot to get out. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> just bring like a ton of buns or something to trade yep. and yep. partake if you walk through, in the opening day economy.
4: Yeah, it becomes exactly. like Woodstock, like late on, where people are just trading everything because there's no economic structure anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you got to make move. your way through Shakedown Street.
0: Yep. Ah, uh, there we go. Indeed. <laughs> so this is fun. And you know, hopefully maybe we'll have a July opening day or something like that. But um Hey, it will be a enough- uh,
3: cold yeah. and rainy then.
0: Yeah, exactly oh, Well, it probably God, will nope. be. It's Wisconsin. It'll, it'll be eighty um,
4: percent humidity and the roof will be closed with oh no. no breeze coming through.
0: Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure I've gone to games in May where it was forty and blustery and, and crappy out, so it'll probably still be that way in July. And there was you know, some that,
1: idiot that was complaining that the roof wasn't open.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that an Andy shaft mention? That's an Andy Shaft mention. That's definitely an Andy shaft mention. <laughs> 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 Andy, Andy um, It, the it, roof. it Andy is a roof more than anything else. I don't know why.
4: It is a Twitter <laughs> award-winning stadium, Andy.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, <it>, uh, <laughs> never... Never go against the Brewers fan base when a stadium poll is on the line. That's <laughs> that's a fact of life. Yes, it is. So we do have another Patreon question not related to uh, opening day. But basically, you know, MLB Trade Rumors had an article recently listing all of David Stern's trades. So Devin Bearwolf is writing in. He says he went through the list and all the prospect, prospects Sterns traded away. Uh, not one of those was on a top 30 list for an MLB team including Dubon and size Snead. Uh, so he's wondering if that's the case, if he's giving up these prospects that don't necessarily end up breaking highly, should he do that more? Uh, Ryan, our local prospect hoarder, take it away.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, so I'm, I'm not quite sure because Monty Harrison would be definitely still be on the Marlins list here too. So there's maybe yeah, some sure. things yeah. missing, but I think that really what he's doing is very good, internal self-evaluation i think that that's a strength that they have and they have been very good about dealing guys when the arrow has been pointing up on them and getting something in return for them at that point point. and yeah i i i think maybe he could do more trading but I, I think that you probably would then start to cut more into guys that they like more so right. i it probably would have a downside. Th-
2: th- This question explains why there aren't more, I think, which is that he won't go to that well. And, you know, that's why it's somewhat limited. So um, if he did did more trading, he would have to go into the the good parts, you know, such as they are of the system a little bit more to make things happen. Um, And these are the guys they identify as wanting or
0: being OK with shipping out. And so that's what happens. Sure. Yeah. Brad, do you think some of this too is uh, maybe them not necessarily being his guys? I know at the start he, you know, traded away some of the folks he didn't necessarily acquire, but
4: I don't even think that's 100% the case. I think it's more of a situational benefit. So when you're looking at like a huge amount of trades made in the 2018, you know, trade deadline, you're looking at a bunch of guys who were about to acquire a 40 man spot if you wanted to keep them on the roster and avoid the rule five. You're looking at a uh, uh, group of older players who didn't necessarily have a route. So you're looking at the Cody Medeiros, you're looking at Luis Ortiz's, um, you're looking at guys who have kind of maxed their time in the system, especially that 2018 year with all the players that they had acquired uh, in 2016 and 2017, you were really overwhelmed with the amount of players who were going to be require that 40 man spot on a roster. That was too good to handle that influx of talent.
0: Sure.
3: Yeah. I remember people getting really mad about like Luis Ortiz getting dealt for, um, Oh, the guy from the Orioles uh, scope. scope. Yeah. Scope. People got really mad about that stuff. You you of all people, (laughs) how can
4: you forget Jonathan scope?
3: (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a situation where they weren't going to be able to keep a lot of these guys anyway. And, they just needed to get as good as they could for the run that they were in the midst of which right. made I really sense. liked
4: Luis Ortiz. I remember being I I think people always interpret me as being upset. Like they want to interpret like I remember I was bummed that Yamamoto was part of the Christian Yellet trade. And they're like Brad's upset about this trade. And it's like no, I just have like particular fondnesses for certain prospects. And Jordan Yamamoto was always a guy who, like, just personally, I could reach out to and talk to about anything that's happening in the Brewers. So when Luis Ortiz got traded, I was just bummed because he was a cool guy who I had interactions with. But at the same time, he had a profile that never really looked good. He found success on the field, but he was, uh, you know, consistently overweight, consistently injured, couldn't go long in the games. There was a lot that he struggled with when it came to that side of his what he was offering for the brewers so they always whenever they made those trades it was always like right time cody medeiros was another guy who i really liked mainly because i thought he'd be a good reliever but he again he had an odd profile that didn't it made sense to trade if someone's going to give you value for it and it helped the major league team now uh, you know, I, as much as I like Jordan Yamamoto and as much as I think he's the Michael Brantley of that trade, he still is never going to equal what Christian Yelich, unless he becomes a multiple Cy Young award winner, he's never going to be what Christian Yelich has already been to this organization.
0: Yep. Right. right, Never. Absolutely. The, now that the league is kind of frozen transactions, so we're going to be left to kind of re-legislate all of these all over again. But it's kind of fun to look back at some of these and see what they've done and kind of make that realization that you know, a lot of the People we may have been worried about losing haven't really been something to lose much sleep over. So
4: I think um, I'm most uh, upset about the league freeze, though, because there's still a player coming back from the San Diego trade, isn't there?
0: There is. There is is, a player to be named away later. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I won it so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah. So we'll we'll be on the lookout for that. Who knows? Maybe that'll be unfrozen by July in and we'll figure it out.
4: We'll yeah, have a exactly. player to be named later from a list that was given yeah. to us in the spring of 2020.
0: And it'll still be somebody who's like 17 years old <laughs> <we'll wait> five <laughs> years to see. Well, this uh, is San Diego. So it
3: probably Ronda. is a 17-year-old kid from the Dominican Republic who exactly. has crazy, crazy no, no, tools no, 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 no. and no idea how to actualize them yet
4: sterns doesn't go for the dominican republic towns you're talking like a venezuela yeah
0: yeah that's that's brewers territory for sure all right well thanks to Devin for the question a reminder when you sign up to be a patron at patreon.com slash mke tailgate you get question priority every week and a shout out here that's all we do have for this week. It's been a lot of fun to kind of go through those opening day stories. Thanks again for Steve for coming back this week to share the story about how you got puked on. Uh, at
1: those, <laughs> worth the price of admission back to uh, relive that.
0: And yeah, we learned exactly. a valuable
4: lesson. If you ever see a wasted guy get behind you, just bail. Just go yeah, find exactly. standing room only.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah don't take yeah, your chances just... because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> like, like it's yeah. opening yeah. day. Yeah.
0: Don't, don't, don't chance it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, thanks again for Steve. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, anywhere else you listen to those podcasts. And while you're there, please do leave us a review and a rating to help other people find the podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Stay well, everyone.